Hello, world. You know, my name is Jason Tyler, the person. This is SeaWorld Hollow, and this is the men's show. Mentoring, empowering, and nurturing. Yes, sir. Goddamn. <laughs> it's a new day. <laughs> Welcome to The Men's Show, the show that is motivating, motivating empowering, and nurturing for all who care to listen. Hosted by two lifelong friends, Jason Tyler the person and the podfather, C. Will Hollow. Won't you join us? Hello, world. It's your boy, C. Will Hollow, with my partner, Jason Tyler the person, we're so glad to be here on our second episode of the men's show here to motivate empower and nurture boy we're gonna let the spirit use us today boy amen brother <laughs> see well hollow the pod father how are you this evening my brother bruh they hang it but they ain't swinging <laughs> <laughs> i gotta be real with you man just had a birthday on Friday, man. Mr. 21 twice. Say it too fast, it's twice as nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Hey, man, the king deserved to have some enjoyment on his birthday, man. Yeah, but not too much, man. I think I uh, I went full tilt, and like they say, the boy, the boy don't stand up like he used to. But um, blessed to see another one, man. And I know you got I know you got one coming up in November, so uh, you know what? I- you gonna hold up. Oh man, see for me, um, I parted way too much as a teenager. <laughs> Period. You know, I thought uh, back in the day going to the skating ring. Um, for those listeners that's uh, familiar with Orlando, Fantastics back in the day when I was 13, 14 years old was like the height of clubbing, and so you know you can only club for so long. So you talking to somebody that was had club to the point by the time I was 17, 18. I was falling asleep in the club jam-packed, so them days is over. You know, now, <laughs> hey, man, a nice drive with the family, sit back and watch some Netflix, man, and, and the kid is good for that's hanging out now. Well, as they say, you know, when you become a man, you put away childish things. Let the good word bless on, brother. Only as it can. With that being said, I want to ask you, what have you heard or what has the reception been on your end from episode one? It's been, uh, hard, it's hard to put it into words, to be honest with you. Um, this is, this whole journey, you know, there was so much, can I do it? I want to do it. I love to do it. Should I do it? And uh, having these conversations with you behind the scenes that just put it in perspective to say to do it. Looking at the love that's been coming, I mean, honestly speaking, it's been hard to hard to digest. It's like, wow. You know, it's like it's it's still surreal. It's like, okay, I'm they just being nice. But then it just keeps coming. And and you know, you keep seeing, you know, comments like on a Facebook page where people are like, Man, this is taking me back or it gave me chills or or the highlight to me is my mother gave some feedback on the podcast she called it the pod she said baby i love the pod it was beautiful it's so wonderful they ain't talking about all that kind of stuff oh it's just you know so for my mom and for the listeners if you keep listening long enough you'll you'll you're gonna hear a lot about my mom and you know my upbringing and whatnot to hear that from her was like donald trump could give us clout right now and to me, that's that's the highest compliment in the world to uh, one for her to even embrace a podcast and to listen to the content. And some of that stuff was kind of heavy because I was, we, you know, we went back, you know, and then for her to be like, that was awesome. That was uh, the highlight of the feedback for me. Yeah, man, I and I appreciate you sharing that moment with me because I I definitely uh, I knew a little bit about the dynamic between you and your mother, but I didn't know that much. And to have her be open, right, to receive it, let alone provide feedback, was very powerful. So 
I mean, but you know, you already kind of knew this, man. You've already stepped into that line of life coaching and things like that. I know um, you've, you've even done that uh, for a little bit of your life. Um, so you really kind of were the motivator for me, the, the muse for me, so to speak, um, to, you know, give me that initial push to go full board with it, man. And I really appreciate you. I mean, because as you were saying, the feedback that we received so far um, has been, it is hard to put in words. And I, and I was at a loss for words right there. I want to say positive, but I, sometimes I think those words just don't do it any justice. They don't fully encompass what the, the feeling is, right? Because I think it's more, it's not just words, because words can describe um like a picture but they don't they can't words really don't describe feelings very well agree that makes sense it does it does um this this experience is one that's organic for the both of us you know just as much as it, as it is for the listeners and being i keep going back i mean the only way to, to put it in perspective like we were talking offline this is a testament to who we are as people um if there was nothing for people to gravitate to if there was no substance if there wasn't anything really real that we were saying that we're inspiring and touching people we wouldn't be getting that kind of feedback but we are delivering something that's that's real that's organic is not we're not here to give you a professional buttoned up uh you know professional type of you know, dry conversation. This is just real conversation between two good friends that are living our truths, you know, through this this medium called the podcast world. Agreed. And I think because um, <clears throat> there's definitely a brotherly connection between us where we're able to be open and honest in support of each other that let's just be 1000% clear on that. We don't get that between black men <clears throat> in this country. We just don't. And I, I don't know what medium or platform where you see it because we've been force fed throughout the years uh, where you have two black men opposing each other, even going back to the martial arts, like with boxing and professional sports and even in rap and music. It's like that they we are we are supposed to always be, you know, diametrically opposing each other and opponents versus where we're brothers in arms um, and in support of each other. And you know, and, and you know, I've always said this: a rising tide lifts all boats. So, you know, you, me seeing you win, I win. And I'm pretty sure you feel the same about me. Facts. Um... Even though our paths are very different, you know, um, just seeing you succeed in the manner that you did and, and playing my small role in that. And I won't go into detail because I'm sure we'll talk about that at a later time. But what a beautiful time to be it for me. I look at it. We get to knock down so many stereotypes about men um, and then more specifically men of color, like you said, because we do support each other. There is no hidden agenda. There is no crab in the barrel mentality. Well, let me pull him down to get, you know, to try to rise above. No, this is proof that, you know, there is unity in our community. There's unity among men. There are men who support each other. There are men who want to see their brothers succeed. And it's a privilege, man. Honestly, it's a it's a privilege to be in a position to share this kind of message with the world because the world is trying to paint their own picture of men of color and we get to destroy that. Yeah, man. Like we said offline, we're moving the needle one listener at a time, man. And I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you, bro. Man, don't make me get emotional on the podcast, mm -hmm. man. Don't, don't make me do it, man. Hey, look. <laughs> But, but no, man, listen, we're going to have a love fest. Like I told my aunt the other day, man, we were kicking some real spill. And I told her, you know, what if we change the dynamic, change the way we 
interact and I said, what if we competed in loving each other versus competing and hating each other or just, you know, keeping up with the Joneses or whatever, what have you, like, you know, and because and, and it actually started with my older, older brother to give him some credit on that. And uh, I don't know, it just used to catch me off guard every time I would text him and I'd be like, all right, love you, bro. He'd be like, love you more. I'm like, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I appreciate it, man. I receive it. And, um, but yeah, so hopefully the listeners, you know, don't tune us out. Don't don't get too caught up in the emotional love fest or get caught up in the emotional love fest. My favorite Anita Baker song, Caught Up in the Rapture of Love. Sing it, boy. <laughs> no, that was not my, that was not my background. I used to hold down that little tennis section, pump faking in the back. Listen, know? man, listen, man. Don't, don't, don't sleep on your skills, boss. <laughs> hey, y'all used to hold it down in the tennis section for FPWC. Shout out for those who know there what that means. There you go. All right, my man. Well, let's get to the matter at hand. We're here to talk about motivating, <clears throat> empowering, and nurturing, as this is the men's show. So, in preparation for today's podcast, you wanted to take it in a different direction. So, we're really going to open up the floor and talk about that money. Talk about that bread, that moolah, that green. M-O-N-E-Y. M-O-N-E-Y. You took you thinking the same thing I was, man. See? We're in alignment, bro. Money. Money. More money. Lots and lots of money. Off the top of your dome, when you hear the word money, what does that mean to you? Power. Mm. And I'm um, that's speaking from where I am now. Um because of my upbringing and how I was raised, um, money was something that we were always taught. You, you got to be humble. You know, you don't want to come across too flashy or you don't want to um, put yourself in a position where you're, you're kind of appearing to be higher than others. You know, you don't want to have that kind of snooty mentality. So when it comes to finances, you know, for me, for a lot of my years, it, I struggled with how money made me look. You know, um, for us, we grew up in our neighborhood, you know, you had different levels. You know, some some families were not as um, able to generate as, you know, as much income as others. So we, we lived a decent life. I mean, I can't even lie, uh, still to be in a predominantly black neighborhood. So as a kid, a lot of times I used to get that kind of ridicule. You know, my stepfather worked for NASA and uh, was a businessman, had businesses and stuff like that. So I remember the day that we got a BMW. Oh man, and the people in, in the hood just, oh, y'all think y'all all that now. To us, mm. to us, it was just a car. But that goes to show uh, Big John, that's my stepfather. His mentality was, I like the best of the best. That's just the way he thought. So, but the perception of that I struggled with that, you know, because in my peers, my, you know, oh, y'all think y'all rich because y'all got a BMW. Back then, you know, BMWs was rare. I remember it was a black 325E stick shift, you know. I remember. And so, <laughs> and so I, you know, people just had that perception, oh, y'all rich or, or you just, the automatic assumption was you think you all that, you know, you think you high-minded. And so that kind of mindset always put me in a position to, kind of shy away from looking at money as I do now as you know as a representation of power yeah well uh, not to take that in a different direction um, we too lived like that you know my grandfather had his own business businesses I should say because he had multiple businesses so we had multiple streams of income and we were getting a new car every year like it was facts it was every year we would get a new car and he was an American car guy. Um, so we always got like the latest Buicks or the latest Cadillacs. And it was, to your point, um, a mindset. And I like the way you said that the way Big John thought was the way his life manifested, right? Because he wanted the best of the best. Guess what he manifested? He manifested the best of the best, right? And my grandfather was what he 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 was a business owner we didn't call him entrepreneurs back then but he had his own businesses and he employed people um 
but you have to have a mindset to manifest those things. And, you know, to, but to your point, growing up in the South and being a person of color, I don't think that the way we were taught or shown to handle money was very productive, right? We, we all know, you know, money's necessary. But the funny thing to me is, and one, one, one quote that never resonated with me at all is people will always say, well, money is the root of all evil. And that always put me off for some reason. Cause I'm like, well, why does everybody want it? And if money is the root of all evil, why y'all keep passing that pan around? Like it didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Now, what's what's you, man? I'm telling you, when you talk about we align, in my head, that's all I kept saying. The problem was not only is that not an accurate statement that a lot of churches and pastors used to teach that money is the root. They took it out of context, but they used that particular scripture in a way to promote the negative perception of being wealthy. Because it was, it was, you know, they used to like to use that in the entire, you know, it's easier. I'm not a Bible scholar, y'all, so don't hold it against me. But Oh, the, I got you if you need me to say it. Yeah, the scripture that talks about it's easier to enter, you know, through the eye of the needle. Yeah. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter God's kingdom. Right. So that perception and that was instilled in, in a lot of the churches that I grew up in. So it, it put money almost like if you have a lot of it. You're not going to heaven. And if you're not going to heaven, then that's something I need to stay away from. So it was, you know, just through the journey of life, growing and understanding that no, it's not so much money is the root, how you use it or or what you allow yourself to do to gain money, you know, that could lead you down some some bad roads. But it's just uh, another testament of how important it is to be careful, especially as adults and, and, you know, to our, to our kids, the, the lessons that we teach them, we, we need to, you know, address these issues properly now for, for their sake. And so, you know, I teach my kids now about money. I, you know, I tell them that you are in control of your destiny when it comes to finances, you know, uh, I preached to my, my oldest daughter. I told her since she was a little girl, um, I'm talking probably five. I started singing this little song to her. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. You could do anything if you put your mind to it. You could do anything if you put your mind to it. So this was, out, you know, back in my early Christian days. So I put the tag on it in Jesus name, in Jesus name. <laughs> but the, 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 the logic behind that was I wanted her to understand from a child, you can literally do anything that you perceive. You know, take the limitations off your, you know, creativity and all of that. And just whatever you really desire, you you can do. Yeah, I mean, that definitely is important to teach a child, because I think what we do and I'm not a parent, so I don't want to speak for parents, but I, I can say from what I saw as a child growing up, I saw the mishandling of money and the misrepresentation of money. And I was uh, having a conversation with my aunt earlier today uh, on money matters, right? And just in conversation, and you know this with talking to me, I don't know where this stuff comes from, but I asked her a question about money because I could tell that while we were having this conversation, she was having, having, excuse me, an emotional reaction to the conversation regarding money. So I asked her like this. I said, you know, I said, what if we look at it this way? What if we try our best, because I know it's hard, right? What if we try our best to remove the emotional connection that comes with money? Because it definitely is tied to emotions, right? Because money is a form of energy. Um, and and it's a, this is a quote of mine. Money is a form of energy. That's why they call it currency, right? Because, and I often think about it this way as well. Like if you were walking around with a pocket full of money, your chest is square, your shoulders your shoulders to the sky, your head up, your chest out, chin up, everything's feeling good. I mean, the sky, the sun shining a little brighter, the birds chirping a little louder, but boy, when you broke, let me tell you, <laughs> you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to <clears throat> open the fridge, you don't want to go to the mailbox, you, 
it seems like everything goes wrong when you don't have money and it seems like everything goes right when you have a pocket full of money um but what i told her i said listen listen i said you don't walk around the house with your toolbox or your toolkit meaning you don't walk around the house with a hammer in your hand at all times do you she said no i said so why do you feel the need to have an emotional reaction when you feel like you don't have money because you may not have access to money tangibly yet but i said you have things that are of value that may not be a liquid form of money if you have a home if you have credit if you have a car anything that you have at your disposal at that time can generate money but we don't think of it that way we think if we don't have liquid cash in our hand we feel like we don't have any money and i remember reading this book when i was younger um, i believe it was written by dick gregory and it wasn't a long book it might have even been a pamphlet and it was called not poor just broke and i remember reading that because it was it's, it's, it's a difference between the feeling and the emotional state of a being of a person from being poor and broke because poor is like a continued state poor is a mentality and a mindset broke is a financial situation meaning i just don't have money today and learning the difference between being poor and broke immediately changed the way i thought about money now the most important thing you just said out of all that wisdom you just dropped was in the last phrases you said your perception facts and in what you're speaking on you know i've had conversations with people um in the in the and i'm not saying anything um negative about ages of people but in 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 the age group where your aunt is my mom is in in that range mm -hmm. the thought process of looking at money that way they didn't they weren't exposed to that kind of information um so when you to me when you you know when you ask the question why do they have this emotional attachment it still all goes back to the church in my opinion mm. because the blessings you know of when you talk about blessings of God and you know things of that nature a lot of it was was money first and then your health you know yeah. they say you bless oh I feel good you know that's that's you know almost like a unconscious response you know and then when prosperity started coming along um your financial status started being a symbol of how much money you had and 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 started to take a false representation in my opinion that the the higher or the better you were financially the more in favor of god and blessed you were so to me that started causing people to kind of look at their lives like well i don't have finances like that so does that mean that you know god is not pleased with me or i'm not living my life right so to me i think it 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 caused a lot of subconscious um doubt and self-reflection on people because they started to measure themselves by how financially sound they were or how it appeared to be money but when you use the terminology you did about perception and you start mm -hmm. to see money for what it is that like you said you can look at what you have it's not you know it's not all about tangible physical paper money you know you're talking about a mindset that understands what wealth really is and it starts within you know um, yeah. you don't have to have a huge mansion to be content and peaceful and feel blessed and so you know a lot of the you know in our in our younger years that mindset wasn't exposed you know a lot of the people in our culture they just weren't exposed to understanding how you think about something as much as the Bible talks about thinking you know as a man thinking so is he uh you know and how you perceive yourself and if you know if you even want to go into the religious realm and really break down what faith is you know it's believing you know you gotta believe you know you gotta see yourself in a certain place and and a lot of our our people in our community they had a limited perception of themselves 
So to even see themselves in a place of being wealthy, despite of what their physical, you know, you know, bank account said or things like that, that's that emotional attachment because that was their world. You either were rich or doing well financially or you had good health and that was your sign, you know, back in the day, that's I'm blessed. Well, you definitely circled back on a couple points. Um, when you talk about perception, and there are so many different scriptures from the Bible that once I learned how to remove the religious context from the Word of God, from the Bible, Facts. and started looking at it from a very pragmatic and a scientific sense, it made sense, right? Like when I look at what you just said about not necessarily having the financial backing to the word blessed, but maybe I had health and that was my blessing. Um, I remember reading in the Bible where it says, whatever's loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever's bound on earth will be bound in heaven. And, and I often, and I would question some Christians on that, right? I'm saying, okay, so if I'm broken, disgusted on earth, how am I going to be rich in heaven? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's the word. Like, I'm not trying to use this to trick anybody. I'm like, this is the Bible that you carry into that building every Sunday that you sit in, you know, for two, three hours every Sunday. And then probably every other day that you're going in there. I don't understand how you can walk away without understanding, because that is also scripture, right? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all thy getting, get understanding. And once I, it's two scriptures, on two scriptures that I mean are etched on my heart when it comes to the topic of money and I just said one of them wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom and in all thy getting get understanding and this is a true story this happened to me back in 2013 I got up out of my bed and I was not feeling my best not from a physical standpoint emotionally I just felt like I wasn't going anywhere in life. I felt like I wasn't doing anything with my life. I just felt like I was in a rut. And I opened myself up to the universe and God spoke to me. And I, I, nobody can talk me off the ledge on that. Like, I, I clear as day. I'm in there in, in my bathroom brushing my teeth. And I just was like, man, what am I supposed to be doing? Like this, whatever, I'm, whatever I was doing at the time just wasn't working for me from an emotional standpoint. And God told me straight up, no joke, he was like, you want some understanding to get to the money. And I dropped my toothbrush in the sink. I had a little, you know, motorized toothbrush and it's in, in the sink, buzzing around. <laughs> toothpaste is, is saliva all over the place. And I'm sitting in there. And at first of all, I'm shook because I'm like, it's somebody in the bathroom and they ain't supposed to be in the bathroom because I'm in this house by my damn self. That's first point, first. And secondly, that was some of the most powerful words that were ever given to me that I ever received in my life. And then it followed up with those scriptures. And I'm going to say another scripture that I have asked Christians and the majority of them have never heard this scripture, which baffled me. And this comes from Ecclesiastes 10 and 19. And it says, a feast is made for laughter. Wine maketh life merry, but money is the answer to all things. Have you ever heard somebody preach on that in church? Nope. Now, why is that? Well, okay. You're going to have to bear with me here. Um, I'm bear with you, man. Be bear with me here because I... This is the Jason Tyler and the C. Will Holler show. Okay. Man. All right. All right. I so <clears throat> I, I, t I have a personal issue with the very thing we're talking about because the influential people in our community were pastors. And unfortunately, a lot of these pastors... They took certain aspects of the Bible, focused in on those, and taught scripture that was to the benefit of them, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. The fact that the verse prior to that, that made reference to the word wisdom about finances, you know, and I'll, you know, get wisdom to, to, piggyback on your point i never heard a preacher back in the day even try to educate people on money to have them gain proper wisdom of it it was either lord mm -hmm. the lord gonna bless you that's all you hear you know mm -hmm. don't don't worry about it 
you know, God got you. He's going to take care of you if you just believe and you pray. If you just believe and you pray. Well, bro, preacher, um, takes a little more than that. You know, the Bible does talk about faith. Faith requires action. So you can't just sit and expect for God to just give you blessings when you're not doing anything. You got to take a step. You got to move. You know, faith without works is dead. And so the reason, in in my opinion, is it was a lack of understanding of the scripture. One. Um, two, the reason they didn't they didn't teach things like that, because they were I think a lot of ministers and people in, of influence were afraid if you start exposing people to this kind of knowledge, I'm going to lose control because people are going to begin to think they're going to begin to grow. They're going to begin to expand and leaders back then uh, were conscious of, I don't want to expose somebody to something that could outgrow even my knowledge of it. So they taught in the realm of what they know. And a lot of what they were teaching was a way to keep people shackled mentally, especially in the realm of finances. Yeah. I mean, we did a little bit of word association and I wanted to kind of dig a little deeper on that. So I'm going to circle back to for this specific reason, because as you were talking, when you first said what what word came to your mind when I mentioned money, two things happened. When you said power, I wrote right under that money is energy because that's how I feel about it. Right. And that's why I said money is energy. That's why they call it currency. You said money is power. And when you were speaking, it just popped out to me. Money is control. Yes. Yes. And I think that's, you know, what you were talking about when people have manipulated, you know, and clearly we're not talking about all pastors. We're not talking about all church people. We're not even talking about the church in general. We're just talking about specific situations where people manipulated the word. Yes. As a form of control. And I mean, I've heard that, you know, spoken directly (laughs) about black people here in America how the word was misappropriated to control them. Um, And one of my good friends, man, he's funny, and hopefully we get to have him as a guest on this podcast. He asked a very pivotal question. He said, y'all keep telling me that the Bible was written by the white man, but why is everybody in the Bible black? (laughs) Facts. You know, I laughed as you were saying that because now I'm being reminded again, this podcast takes me down memory lane. I can remember being a kid, being in an offering in a in a African American church on a Sunday afternoon. That second service where you really want to be outside playing, but you had to go back for some kind of church anniversary, usher bowling anniversary, choir anniversary. I mean, when I was young, man, they had second services for all kinds of things, and I can remember being a part of an offering to where the pastor that led this offering started commanding from the pulpit that God was instructing him to say, is there anybody in the audience that has a hundred dollars? Bring your hundred dollars up front. Hmm. This pastor went from a hundred dollars. See, will hollow all the way down to a penny. That's how he conducted this offering. Now in my 42 about to be, Years 21 twice of life That's coming (laughs) Never In the history Of I ain't gonna use that word But Never have I ever seen Anything Scripture That lines up With that kind of uh, Offering And I was laughing because This is what A lot of the Influential preachers did Again we're not talking about all but mm-hmm. when these people had power, they realized they could literally say anything. And and because back then, people didn't read for themselves. They didn't study the Bible for themselves. It was whatever the preacher said, that's what they believed it was. So there was no questioning on anything like that. So they were just blindly being led by whatever the pastor said. How in God's green earth is that biblical? It's not. But when you're not educated or you don't have enough um, wherewithal within you to say, well, let me let me open this 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 book for myself. Let me get some understanding for me, and look at what you know some of these scriptures really say. Because despite all the debate, 
that's about the Bible and we can have a whole other podcast about religion and that. I will say this, there's wisdom in the Bible that cannot be challenged. And there are definitely some financial principles in the book of Proverbs that if you follow, it's laying out some of the stuff that these wealthy financial seminar folks are doing today. Facts. But we, you know, people in the church, they didn't read. Or they pick certain scriptures and, and, you know, understanding too, just having wisdom enough to understand you can't take just one scripture sometimes and get the whole meaning of what that scripture is supposed to mean. You got to, you got to read sometimes a whole chapter. You got to understand what was going on at that time, why it was being written, you know, to just take certain things. And that's when we come back to this word manipulation, which that's why I say I really have a problem with the the people of influence who led a lot of people down these paths and to bring it back on topic a lot of it was about money what's the number one thing used to get drilled you're gonna be cursed with a curse if you don't pay your time oh my god you listen to me man (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) i'm over here doing a little research while we talking and so i wanted to go back and, and, and and say the whole thing right so when I gave the one about the feast is made for laughter, why I make life merry, uh, but money is the answer of things. Again, that is from Ecclesiastes 10 and 19. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And then all I get in, get understanding. That's Proverbs 2 and 6. And I just circled back and came across 1 Timothy 6 and 10, where it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Not just money is the root of all evil. Right. And, and, and here's where I wanted to bridge that gap to bring it back to the subject of money and that emotional attachment. It says for the love of money is the root of all evil. To me, it is basically telling you not to have an emotional connection or tie to money, not to not have no money. Not only two, to two totally different concepts. Hey, man. Look, I'm honored to be on your podcast because, man, you got my mind over here spinning in a great way because now when I hear the word love now, you know what? You know what popped in my head? Reality, reality TV. Oh, my good fame. The the things that some people will do for the love of money. They have no boundaries from sacrificing your body to being embarrassed to to just saying okay i want to i want to be a famous person that desire for that love of money truly that that scripture is prophetic and and again like i said a lot of things can be challenged but there's some wisdom in the bible that that i just believe is true and you take that verse and apply it to what we see today how many people famous non-famous we've seen trying to do any and everything to be famous because they want that love for the money. You know, you you mentioned the word <clears throat> earlier when you said wealthy. And I've been around rich people and I've been around wealthy people. Rich people love money. Wealthy people use money. You understand the difference? Well, listen, again, Shaq had a quote that I'll never forget. He said, NBA players are rich. The owners who write NBA checks, they're wealthy. Facts. There is a difference. Wealthy people are in position to where they're not even concerned about tangible money at this point. Not at all. You know, that's not even a concern. The how much and how, no, they're not even concerned about that. They're they're far beyond being concerned about the tangible things because that's why I use that term wealthy. For me, that's what I'm speaking into my life because I just don't want to be rich. I will be wealthy, wealthy to the point, like I said, generations. When you look at, you know, a lot of people, um, they look at a, a lot of the one percent. You know, it's like, well, how did they get this money? And that money's been passed down through generations many going back many 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 years somebody had the wherewithal to build a business of some sort and they kept that money and they were proper stewards over the money they didn't i mean they had a love for money but it was healthy they didn't 
they they managed their money, they grew their money, they put their money in position to keep making money for them to the point that it turned into wealth. That's the kind of thing that, you know, going back to the pastors, the scriptures, we weren't taught to look at money that way. Um, that leads me to another scripture where uh, this is coming from Matthew 6 and 24. And I think this one is the one that kind of can drive a, a wedge between a person and their money, as they say, because they easily, they used to quote that, right? A, a fool and their money soon departed. Um, <laughs> 6 24, Matthew, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And my question has always been, why do you think the scriptures call out God and money? Why didn't it say God and women, God and men, God and whatever else, vice, alcohol, drugs, whatever other vice? Because, you know, there are thousands of vices on the planet. Yep. And I don't look at money as a vice. But again, it, 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 it's funny to me that you the scriptures are specifically calling out money. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I, I know that to be true because you will love one and hate the other because you can't serve both. That's you the, can have both. That's the key word, serve. But you can't serve both. Yep, can't do it. <clears throat> that's a good question. You know, for our listeners, um, you do have the ability, um, if you have the Anchor app, I'd be curious to hear your feedback on that because that's an excellent question that um, that Chris is asking. Why did the scriptures suggest God and money and not another vice? Mm. Inquiring minds would like to know. Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> Off the top of my dome, it makes it to me, it kind of takes me back to what I was saying earlier. Somebody who was ever writing that scripture at the time understood how powerful money could be that to some people money would become their God. And then if they looked at money as their God, because if you have, like you said, if you have the, the confidence, you got the freedom, you know, you feel better. I could see how somebody could lose perspective and, and be like, well, I worship, you know, finances. Now look, I, I need this money. I need to do whatever's necessary to stay in this place of feeling empowered and, and, you know, feeling good about everything. So I can see how if you're not careful and you don't put money in its proper place, that it can become what you worship. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like I said, uh, some of the wealthy people that I've had the privilege of being around, they were Christian. A majority of them were. Right. So they had they were people of faith. And they had money. But to that point, they didn't let the money surpass their love of God or their love of community or their love of man. Like they used their money to be of service to the community. The, for the most part, they did. Not all of them were like that. Again, I sit here and reflect, um, thinking about as a kid, <clears throat> another... Um, Influence that uh, Big John had on me as a, as a youngster. He got me out of the streets by putting me in sports. Mm -hmm. And because of where we lived, um, we were zoned that I either could have uh, played sports predominantly in Sanford or I could have played sports in Lake Mary. And for whatever reason, Big John decided to send me to the Lake Mary side of things. So when I went there... That predominant, the league, you know, for Little League football, um, that's what we were playing. The majority of the, the kids, they were Caucasian. So that was a whole different dynamic for me right there. But because I was I was young, I started playing football when I was five years old. Um, I'm proof that racism is taught. It's not, you have to be taught to hate a race of people. So when I went as a kid, I just, hey, I, these are football players. But what that experience did for me is I met a coach. Um, another person that's a real, uh, had a major influence on my life, his name is John Rittenauer. Never forget him. Um, from, from Pittsburgh, that 
when I met him, he didn't treat us as if we were black kids. He just treated us like we were his players. Now, little did I know, being on the team with him, this man was wealthy. He owned a he owned an insurance business. Didn't 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 have a clue because you know dealing with him as a coach, he was down to earth. He was, you know, he was hard on us. You know, he he taught us um, lessons. You know, he used to run us to death, man. Like man, all this running ain't necessary until we got the game time. We were always fresher than the next team. Um, but more so than that, relationship grew because you know start out at five. I was with him all the way up until middle school. So got to know his son. We became good friends. And then one day his son said, Dad, can Terrence come spend the night? And I said, oh, wow. You know, I had never even thought about that. Like, he, he's invited me to his home. And when I went to see where they live, mind blown. This, mm. was, this was in, uh, so if I'm five, this is still the early 80s and not 90s yet. So we pull up at the house, circle driveway, two Porsche 944s in the driveway big screened in pool I mean just huge and when I went in to this house I was like I didn't even know how to act you know I was holding my little bag and just kind of <laughs> didn't know what to do and his son said hey come on we just you know go in my room and so we went in his room and and he just began to take me around a house this massive house I had never seen a house this big ever you know besides my house and I was being exposed to a wealthy lifestyle then, you know, big screened in, heated pool. He had all kind of motorcycles. I mean, everything a kid could want. And he was just so giving. Just so, hey man, just just like if you were to come over back in the day and we played uh, you know, Super Nintendo. And I'm saying all this to say that when you are in a position and that you have experienced wealth, you put the need or the love for something in perspective because you have it. A lot of our people are chasing a dream because they've never obtained or even come close to what they feel is being, uh, I won't even get to the point of saying wealthy, but being in a financial status where they feel good about themselves. Yeah. And so seeing how loving this guy was, how open he was, I mean, he was like, man, eat what you want, get what you want, you know, that type of thing. It changed my life too because now my relationship i don't see color you know that relationship with that man and his son and his family and the way they opened up to me is something that shaped my dynamic also just as powerful as big john because here was a a caucasian man that looked at this little african-american boy just like one of his kids i mean they took me to church with them man <laughs> And it blew my mind because he, he was like, we're going to church. So, you know, my mom would pack, you know, your little, the little white preacher shirt with a little bow tie. Mm -hmm. You know, they putting on T-shirts and shorts. They even go to, they even go to church differently than we do, right? I, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm looking at them like, like this is foreign. Like y'all not putting on suits and, you know, hats and ties. Like, no, we're just going to church. Just going to church. Just going to church. Just going to church. My man put on my man put on a tank top and some shorts and some shoes. We went to church at 1030. We was out by 1115. I ain't know what to do with myself. Isn't that crazy? The, the, the poor people going suited and booted and the rich people going as, as just as they are, as Jesus commanded. That's amazing, man. Facts. A couple things that I pulled out from your story, and, and thank you for sharing that with us. Going back to Coach Rit now. He was teaching you principles. He was. You can build your life on principles. See, I think growing up, how we grew up, we weren't taught principles. We were taught rules. That's powerful. And I, say that again, please, for our listeners. Please say say <laughs> that not, again. <laughs> we were not taught principles. We were taught rules. And I'll tell you what just came to me that that is the fundamental difference between both of those words. Principles are things you build a foundation on. Rules are things you use to restrict. So you can't build nothing on rules. You can contain, you can control, but you can't build. When you build things, you have to use the principles. You use a couple of words that just had my mind going all over the place. Because the universal laws 
are backed on principles. Not, not rules, principles. And I think once we stripped the Bible of its true purpose, which is to teach us principles and use it as a form of control, i.e. which enforce rules, that's when we lost our power. Getting back to that original word that you called out. So, again, you feed me, I feed you. So you don't know how accurate you are when you talk about principles. Being exposed to him and just watching him, that taught me principles too. But I can take it even further on the football field. So what what he would do is he was harder on me than he was a lot of other players on the team. He would run me more. He would... He would be harder on me. And as a kid, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I was like, he's like, you need to win every win sprint. You know, when I when I came, you know, the first couple I did, but then, you know, I got tired of, and he would stay on me. And I remember going home talking to Big John. I was like, man, this why is he why why does he care so much that I win every win sprint? Why does he care that whatever my effort is, you know matter so much to him and big john would just say this he said you just you gotta always do your best mm. always do your best every chance you get every opportunity you get just do your best and as that relationship grew that coach i asked him i say why are you so hard on me he said because the team goes as you go i'm like i'm just just i'm just a kid he says no they go as you go. When they see you work hard, they work harder. When they see you pushing it and giving it all you got, that comes across. Those lessons, man, I I, I would, there's no amount of money that that I that I could pay for those those lessons as a kid. That's where I, you know, learn more about what hard work is and how it pays off. Because like, like I said, when it came back to game time and when we played. That Pop Warner team, man, we were we were on it. Those lessons, and I know that in the NFL and all that kind of thing is under scrutiny right now for it, but there are some team sports in, in the realm of just working together and team, it builds so many foundational principles for, for youth to know what it's like to pick your brother up by his bootstraps or to know I'm responsible for you. You're responsible for the weakest link on the team. You know, you don't Whoever is the weakest, you carry them because the team is only as strong as the weakest person. We learned all that as, you know, you know, eight, nine year old kids playing sports. You know, we learned to be there for each other. We learned that if I didn't do my job, if I didn't run the ball right, if, if somebody didn't miss a block, how all of that was was important. So when you talk about the principles and the rules, it just again, you, you cause my mind to go nuts with with some of these stories that that I can go back and pull on and, and and basically this is my way of confirming saying you're a thousand percent correct in your analogy and the difference between rules and principles. Another couple of things that just, again, as you said, how we edify and feed each other and feed off of each other. When you were talking about what Big John told you, uh, it brought me back to a book I read. I want to say I read this book. Um, probably about eight years ago now written by a guy by the name of Don Miguel Ruiz it's called The Four Agreements very quick read and I would definitely tell people to, to read it if they, if they have time hopefully make time and if you haven't read it I would encourage you to read it it's called The Four Agreements written by Don Miguel Ruiz and the four agreements are very basic principles not rules but principles first and foremost Say what you mean, mean what you say. Be impeccable with your word. Uh, rule number two, don't take things personally. I have now, read that. Yes. Uh, yeah. My wife gave me that book to read when we was dating. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but yes, keep going. No, no worries. No worries. It, yes, it's that powerful where you get excited when you read. Oh, yeah, I read that. Um, principle or agreement number three, never make assumptions. And... Principle number four or rule number four or agreement number four, excuse me, always do your best. And I'll tell you why that book was pivotal for me. 
I read, I was reading this book around that same time when the voice of God spoke to me. And I believe when I read that book, it stripped away a lot of the religiosity that we grew up with. It, 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 it stripped away those rules and now altered the way I saw the world from a rules-based place to a principle-based. Now things are based on principles now, not rules. And the reason why I say that was uh, a, a pivotal moment for me because now I could start to build a foundation instead of lived in this world or in this controlled environment, things that are bound by rules. Um, and I'm gonna tell you, man, like being impeccable with, with my word, saying what I mean, mean what I say, you know, not taking things personally, realizing and recognizing that, you know, like it ain't about me. Um, never making assumptions in the business world, that's key, right? L learning that you need to ask questions. I remember being afraid to ask questions because I didn't want to come off as dumb or ill-informed. Yep. But be being in a position to ask questions actually led to you being in a position of authority. And it sounds so cliche, but agreement number four, always doing your best because that is going back to what you said about faith without works is dead. Always doing your best. You are showing God and the universe like I'm all in. And guess what? If you're all in with them, they're going to be all in with you. To uh, to to take a, 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 a cliche from Mika Joy, you're talking right. <laughs> you're talking right, right, sir. Yeah, you talk, you, you're talking right, sir. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to call out where the difference about sports back then, where sports are now back then, sports was about principles. It was used as a tool to teach young men and women principles of life now sports is about money yes it's about monetary gain and generating yeah. money it's a business now i'm not saying they didn't make money back then but they damn sure they're making the kind of money that they're making now and it's a machine so sports is not even and it's sad that even the little league sports is not about the children right it's about how much money they can generate how many tickets they can sell how many butts they can get in the seat how many concessions they can sell and it's in the and the sad part about it is to your point we, they, these kids are not going to have those, you know, Jason Tyler, Coach Rittenour moments where these guys, are. I mean, it's, if they do, it's going to be few and far in between. And to me, that is so sad because that is definitely what we're lacking and missing in, in, in the world today. Again, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. <clears throat> uh, we're pushing up on an hour. Um, yep. For this, uh, again, it, it's been another rich moment. Um and another moment that I just it leaves you with such a fulfilled feeling to know <laughs> that the conversation that we're having, um, the realness, the richness, um, and I know people are being affected by it, man. It's just a, uh, it's just an awesome feeling to uh, share the space and medium with you, my brother. Likewise, likewise, my friend. But before we close, let's go back to the word association. If I were to ask you, one word comes to mind. When you hear the word money, what would you say? Freedom. Now you see how that changed? Yep. yep. We went from power to freedom. Yep. Well, go on and let him use you, man. <laughs> I mean, the the conversation has really, you know, enlightened me to the point that, in a sense, power breeds freedom because if you feel empowered there's just there's a, a relief that comes along with that you have you have you have power you have security and knowing that there's just certain things you're not concerned about Facts. Um, when you when you're in a position where you don't have resources um whether it's money or whatever you know things tend to weigh a little bit more on you and the looking at it as, as a, a collective spectrum of this whole conversation freedom is really what it's about freedom to be able to go and do whatever it is you want to do because you have no restraints you know whether you want to go so into somebody else's life if you know you want to go buy somebody else a house or or whatever the need is when you're in a place of having money you really have this sense of the sky's the limit there's nothing to hold me back it really just sets the tone for everything. And and when you were talking about faith and energy, man, I was just sitting there 
again, mind just churning with all kind of positive information. The faith, when you said that in the works, to me, the word that came after that was attraction. Mm. If you keep doing your best, if you keep moving forward, you have no choice but to attract the very thing that you desire because you're moving toward that. Being stagnant and still, I, I don't understand how people think you're supposed to achieve anything if you're not putting in any motion or effort. You're not putting in any work to make it happen. So if you're implementing the faith and you're believing and you're, you're whatever that desire is and that you're moving towards it, you will attract that in, into, into your space. You, it's the laws of physics. You have no choice. If you speak it, if you say it and believe it, it has no choice but to come to pass. I'll do you one better, brother. Instead of attracting, I think that it's already there. We're catching up to it. I think we have to be open and in alignment because I remember reading this as well, and we can close on this note. As it is written, right? Because this is written, and this is long before us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and these things will we'll be, be added, added unto you. Correct. That's fact. Always, always a pleasure. Listen, iron sharpens iron, my brother. I love you, man. I love you too, man. And um, I know that's something that, you know, men don't say to each other. And, you know, some people get all freaked out about that. But no, this this real love. This is real love from the sense that my heart's desire is to see, see Will Holler be successful. And I know he has the same desire for me. You already rich. Oh, excuse me, brother. Wealthy. <laughs> Come on here, man. Jason Tyler Banks are in the making right now, brother. Facts. Again, this is the men's show with Jason Tyler, the person in Seawell Hollow, where our goal is to motivate, empower, and nurture. Thank you for listening.